in a world where everyone knows everything. <laughs> yeah, right. One dad stands below everyone and yells, I know nothing. Please welcome. Please welcome. This is the Dad Who Knows Nothing podcast. All right. So this is the Dad Who Knows Nothing podcast. Very excited to have Kyle Gillette with us today. Kyle has helped small business owners and leaders around the world to take their businesses from good to great. He's an ICF certified coach. And if you've ever looked that up, that's a pretty, pretty high standard to uh, have that education and get that credential as an ICF certified coach. He's also a behavioral analyst. And one of the things we're going to talk about today is he created the Sage Mindset Leadership Framework. So very nice to have you on the podcast, Kyle. Thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. Yeah, thank you. And I would have to say last night was a very good indicator that I am a dad that does not know very much at all <laughs> with, with my interactions with my kid last night. So I am yeah. humbled by, by the title and it is accurate of me for sure. Well, it's definitely something that if you ever forget, you will definitely be yes. remembered, reminded uh, in different ways. So oh, yes. very cool. Very so, quickly. Yeah. So Kyle, the Sage Mindset leadership framework how did you get to developing this framework what was your journey to becoming a coach becoming a behavioral analyst kind of walk me through how Kyle Gillette became Kyle Gillette yeah there's there's several stories in there but I think the two most important stories the two stories that jump out the most are the one where I was riding a Harley and decided that I was should go away faster than is necessary and I was, I lived in, at the time I lived in the, uh, the, right by the Pacific Ocean in San Luis Obispo. And there was this development that was happening and they had all the asphalt down. They had, everything was, was set up. So it was really nice development. And I was cruising around in there. It was, it was hilly and I was having a great time. Got to the top of the development that overlooked the Pacific Ocean, was chilling up there, enjoying the view then hopped back on the bike and was going back down. And there was a, a curve that I thought was just a straight hill. And when I hit, when I was riding down that, I hit the curb of the road and it threw me 30 feet off the bike, wrapped my legs up into barbed wire fence. Oh. And I, wow. I got my legs caught so that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm basically wrap my legs in the fence and then it slams my head down on the ground and knocks me out. And then when I come to, I don't know how long I'm out, but when I come to the bike is 12 to 18 inches from my head. So the, the motor of, of the motorcycle is 12 to 18 inches from my head. So I survived. I, I was very lucky. I only have a couple scars on my shin from the barbed wire, but I remember waking up and looking over because my head was facing the bike and going, oh my gosh, I survived. Like I shouldn't have survived. And I didn't even, I didn't even really get injured at all. I was really, really fortunate. And that was one of those moments where I'm going, oh, wow, I have more purpose. There's more purpose for my life. I need, I need to be, I need to recognize that and honor that. So that was, that was one of those moments. And then another moment was, was farther down the road. I had been in a men's mentoring program for about 10 years, worked in it, lived in it, helped run it, directed it, those things. I ran a bunch of different positions in the organization. And I was mentored the whole time by this, this older gentleman that is was just truly amazing man that helped me 
learn life skills, leadership skills, business skills. I, I got to go to the school of MBA for 10 years because he tutored me essentially and mentored me during that time frame. And so when I left that program, I wanted to be able to pass on that mentorship, that those lessons, that leadership, all those things to other people. And the goal was to, to be able to do it in the business world because I thought the greatest impact I could have would be in the business world as then I would be able to impact all the employees through the business owners. So fast forward, stumbling through some jobs after we moved and I was in bed and I had started, started my business to, to, be, to do coaching. And I, I woke up to a voice saying self-awareness. And it, it was the word that I needed to pull together the SAGE acronym. And that was, I'd already started the business, but that was really the true catalyst to doing what I'm doing now because it got the clarity that I needed. So that's a little bit of the background. There's more to the story of what SAGE is and everything, but that's a little bit of the background for you. So let's dive right in. What does it mean to have a SAGE mindset? What, what is, is it an acronym? What is it, what is it all about? Yeah, so SAGE stands for self-awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment. And I like to use the metaphor of a house, of a leadership house, where self-awareness is the foundation to your great, to, to great leadership or to SAGE leadership. The more self-aware you are, the firmer and stronger that foundation can be. And then accountability is the nails that holds that leadership house together. Without accountability, and we've seen this in news, we've seen this in our own communities where accountability falls apart people don't do what they say they're going to do they lie there's things going on there's a lack of integrity and leadership falls apart but when it's held together really well that accountability holds that leadership house together and it's a beautiful thing growth is the walls and the roof it's it's the structure of your leadership it's what allows you to continue to move forward it's that mindset that helps you to grow it's the abundance idea and at times, as we continue to grow as leaders, we need to remodel our house. We need to remodel our leadership and adjust because we've grown and the people that we're leading need more from us because they're growing too. And so we make adjustments. And then empowerment is the windows and doors. And this is the idea that people can look into your leadership and see it and go, wow, I, I wanna be in that. I wanna be a part of that business. I wanna be underneath that leadership. I want to support the cause that they're behind. But then also the people that you're leading, you're empowering them so much so that they're looking out that window and looking at the door and going, wait a second, I have an idea and I want to pursue. It. And as a sage leader, you empower them and you say, go for it, go after it, go pursue your dream too, because that's what a sage leader is about. So that's the, that's the way that I try to simply describe the four pillars of the framework. Oh, I love it. I like that uh, framework and the way you described it. I, I think that makes a lot of sense and resonates with a lot of people. So yeah. I, I think I think we've all heard that the difference between a manager and a leader is a manager tells people what to do, right? And a leader empowers people. That that's been said before. That's one of one of the key differentiators. So what if some of our listeners are in a management type leadership role and they want to transition from telling people what to do to empowering people? How how do they do that? What what steps could they take? Yeah, one of the first steps is to study. And what I mean by that is not study books, not study that world. That's important. Listen to stuff, learn. That's good, of course. But I'm saying study your people. Study who they are, what they're about, how they're wired. Know them. In some cases, try to know them better than they even know themselves. Because 
the, the literature says that the, the amount of people that are actually truly self-aware is far lower than people realize. 85% of people out there think that they're self-aware when in reality only 15% are. So it's a complete reversal of, of what self-awareness really is. So if you as a leader can study your people and help them be more aware of their strengths, their limitations, their communication quirks, those types of things, you're going to empower them far greater than anything else you can do because it's their mindsets and their habits which empowers them, not necessarily your tricks and, and ideas. It's, it's them knowing themselves and leveraging what they know about themselves and improving even more that's going to make all the difference. So that's to me, that's the first step that people need to take is study those that they're leading and get to know them really well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a great tip because it's actually just giving them the space to use their power, thereby allowing them to uh, do and use those talents that they have. Uh, you know, I've often, I've often, you know, the story's been told about Steve Jobs, how he said, you know, you hire the most intelligent people. Why would you tell them what to do? You, you want them to be the ones that are almost telling you what to do as a, as the leader to to figure out how to take advantage of all those different things. So what, you know, we talk about accountability. Well, let's, let's take each one of those pillars. So self-awareness, you know, the percentages, and I think that percentage of 15% that you mentioned, I think even with that, people are not self-aware all the time. We all have blinders, right? Where we can't see ourselves yeah. in certain situations. So 100%. how does how does someone become more self-aware or at least become more aware of the fact that they may not be very self-aware in a certain scenario? Yeah, I think one of the first things that I teach, so, so I have a, a book that's going to be published here in August called The Sage Leader or Sage Leadership, I'm sorry. And in the first section of the book, I talk about self-awareness and then I break down each of the pillars, but I talk about the mindsets and habits of those, those pillars. And what the first mindset that is key to creating self-awareness is values, knowing your values, understanding what you stand for so that it can reinforce that foundation. I call it the rebar to your foundation of leadership, because if you know what you stand for, you know, your values, you know, your stories of, of why you believe in that value, it reinforces that foundation. If you don't, then there's no filter for you. If you don't know why you say yes to this and no to that, don't have a good leg to stand on behind it it's it's difficult to be able to to really move forward and make good decisions with your life and with your leadership and as a dad we need that too right we need to know what our values are to teach it to our kids and to lead that in our homes so once you define those five to seven values now now you have a filter and when you realize you're out of bounds for your own personal filters then you're aware of what's going on you can make make those shifts and make those adjustments. So that is, is one of the key. And to me, the very first one that needs to be determined. Nice. Yeah. Great. And thanks for tying that back to, to parents, because certainly uh, we can sometimes, it can almost be jarring when we look back and we're like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe, you know, that that was that I did that with, with my son or my daughter. And really it is it's going back to those values and making sure that we always stay true to those so let's talk about accountability are there levels of accountability what 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 would you say about that yeah i there's approaches i think i think there's you could say there's levels as well i i talk about something that i call accountability pass but then i also talk about the like i call it the habits or the mindset that grips the hammer of accountability 
And the GRIPS is actually another acronym. I love myself some acronyms. Mm -hmm. And it's about goals. It's about responsibility. It's about integrity. It's about priorities. And it's about systems. So those five things is what grips that hammer of, of accountability. So if you, if you know what your goals are and you have a responsibility mindset and you maintain integrity and you prioritize things appropriately and you dial in your systems, then your accountability, your, your ability to be counted on will be maintained, right? And there's a very specific process that I suggest people go through as it relates to this, and I call it my accountability pass. So another acronym for you, but um, it's the idea that there's, there's four different ways that you can develop or create accountability. And the first one is passive accountability. So this is the idea that what, what, is, what is a goal that you have right now for either your family, your business, your, you know, what, what is a goal that you personally have? Uh, for me personally, you know, just to continue to grow uh, the podcast and to make it something that is more well known. Okay, and what's what's the reason that you want to do that? Uh, just because I, I I'm putting a lot of effort in in trying to have good conversations about subjects that I think dads and parents and people in general would like to know about, and so I, I think just like it's helping me, I think it can help others that want to listen. Okay, so for you, there's probably another more, couple more layers there. But for you, one of the reasons is to help to help people with their parenting, to help people in that regard, and to to be able to spread that out to a bunch of people. So it, there's there's a deeper meaning to it. So the first part of accountability is knowing your story for why you're doing what you're doing. Right? What? Why do I want to? Why do I want to coach people? Well, I want to help thousands of people transform their mindsets and habits so they can become the leaders they're meant to be. That's my why. That's the deep reason that keeps me motivated, even when I'm struggling for whatever reason. It keeps me motivated, and I have a deeper why for my parenting too. And so you tell people about that deeper why. You share it with people, and let's say you tell 15, 20, 30 people about this goal that you have to grow your podcast, to. Uh, start a business to whatever it is that the listeners have for the goals you tell those people and some of them will care <laughs> not all of them but some of them will care and then some of those that do care will follow up with you and say hey what's going on with that podcast how many episodes have you done what's it been like to do this what's been challenging and that creates accountability for you because now you have this army of people maybe it's an army of five or maybe it's an army of 50 but you have these people that follow up with you and want to know what's going on because they care so it's passive accountability because you're not having to request for them to interact with you. They're just doing it because they care, which is a beautiful thing. And that creates a helpful accountability. The A in the accountability past is active accountability. So that's the idea of, of those people that have reached out to you and follow up and care about what's going on. You say, hey, Joe, would you be willing to meet with me on a weekly or bi-weekly basis to talk about your goals and my goals, to see what we can do, how we can improve and give each other feedback on the progress that we've made. So it's active because you're actively reaching out to them and saying, hey, let's have a conversation consistently and keep each other accountable, hold each other to the things we say we're going to do. And it's obviously when you exchange it, it's even more powerful and synergistic because they're offering it to you and you're offering it to them. Then you have structures. What are the things that you need to put in place to create accountability? Alarm clocks, contracts, to-do lists, calendar items, that type of stuff, kind of the mundane, but it's really what keeps you personally accountable. And then lastly is the self. So the full pass is passive, active structures and self. 
But self is a little bit different because I'm gonna draw, I'm gonna paint a picture for you. I want you to, to picture there's three frogs on a log in a pond, okay? <clears throat> and they're having a conversation about this lily pad. And it's this beautiful lily pad and it's the perfect spot to hunt for flies. And two of them are like, I'm gonna jump on that lily pad. So they have this conversation and you're observing. 10 seconds pass, what happens? How many frogs are left on the log? That are still on the log and yeah. haven't moved to the lily pad? Yeah. Uh, one. So all three of them are still there because there's a difference between deciding and committing. And a lot of people decide to open a business. A lot of people decide to do X, Y, Z, but they haven't committed. And so until that frog loses gravity, they're still on that log. Until they actually, their toes, their last toe is off that log, they're still committed. But when they jump, they cannot get back to the, the log again. And that's the type of commitment that I encourage my clients to have <clears throat> is the level of commitment where you can't turn back, right? My wife recently quit her nursing job. It's just my business now. It's the only income. We can't turn back. I mean, technically we probably could, but it's not really an option on the table. Right. So we're so committed to the business and that creates this different level of accountability and commitment to the things that we say we're going to do. So you put all four of those together and it's extremely powerful for getting things done. <coughs> I'm sorry. No, I, I like it. And uh, don't worry about the acronyms. I My day job is in the insurance industry. So we're all about acronyms here too. So, uh, so far you've hit us with three really good ones. So appreciate it. All right. So obviously when you're, when you're, having your business and you're trying to make it a success, you know, there's, there's systems in place, there's work that you're doing, but there's also work that could be, maybe you're doing, that's not the best use of your time. So do you have any tips that you help with your clients about being more productive, things they can do to be more productive? We all know today's world, right? It's distractions, 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 and everybody are getting, everybody's getting hit with distractions from all over the place. So Productivity, I think, has taken on a different type of feeling now. Yeah. Um, so how do you how do you help your clients be more productive? Yeah. So there's there's three things, and I'll talk about two of them. So one of them is a course that I've created called the Five C's of Productivity, and I, and I won't go into that, but it just walks people through a process of how to be productive and create their own system and iterate that system over and over again to improve. The second is more of the, the idea of being present. One of the things that I've discovered a lot with my clients is they're not very present. They're consistently thinking about the future and what's gonna happen with their business, whether they're worried about it or excited about it, or they're looking at the past. They're looking at their past numbers. They're looking at what happened or what they did wrong, but they're not looking at the present. They're not focused on the present. And therefore, when they have conversations with prospects, uh, clients or their employees, they're not fully present. And if they're not fully present in those relationships, in those conversations, it hurts. It hurts the conversation. It hurts the relationship. Therefore, it then hurts the business. And you could say the same thing about marriages and the same thing with relationships with kids. Uh, how often are we, kids are asking us a question or we're at getting asked a question from an employee and we're busy looking at our phone or busy doing something else and distracted when we really shouldn't be distracted, we actually should be available as much as possible. And as a result, then we give them a half answer. 
and we don't think about it deep enough. And then later we realize, oh, if I would have said this, or if maybe I would have gotten more clarity around it, asked them a question. So being present is, is huge. And what I suggest to people to keep it very simple, because there's a bunch of ways to do this, but to keep it simple, I suggest that people close their eyes. I mean, literally close your eyes. And it's something that I have some of my clients do on a, on a phone call or a coaching call just so that they can experience it. While you're working, take 15 seconds to slow down because a lot of dominance, a lot of people in, in business are dominant oriented. They're very fast, hard charging. And so they hardly pause at all. So if you pause, close your eyes for 15 seconds, let yourself relax for a moment, it'll get you back to being present. And a great thing to do is anytime you transition from one role to another. So if you're in the role of sales or if you're in the role of uh, leading a meeting or if you're in the role of going into, into your home, but you've been driving and been doing business all day, stop for 15 seconds or five seconds even. Close your eyes, breathe it out, breathe the role out, close that browser window, if you will, and then transition to the next role. This will help you be present. And what the heck does that have to do with productivity? Well, productivity lands squarely on the, on the shoulders of people, right? It's not, it's not necessarily the tools that we use. Those are helpful. Our systems are super important, but people still have to run those systems. People still have to use those tools. So if you're not taking care of the people by studying them and knowing them, having, helping them to understand themselves, empowering them like we we're talking about before, creating that accountability and all that, you're not going to be productive. And even if you have all that stuff super dialed in, but you're kind of a jerk because you're jumping from one thing to the other and not present, again, you're not going to be as productive as you could be. So purely selfishly on the efficiency side of things, being present is good for you. And obviously, even more importantly, on the relational side of things, it's important to be present. Yeah, there's two things there that I, I think you hit on so, so well. One was, you know, so many people talk about meditation, yoga these different types of practices, they're really about being able to center and focus your thoughts on one thing and to forget about anything else and just center. And so that you can apply that in this scenario that you just outlined is just if you have that ability to just stop and center, you know, that can help break and allow you to be more present, uh, depending on the role. And so many people challenge, you know, hated the commute and the commute gets such a bad rap. You know, I think we've lost that a little bit of it as a society with all the remote work is that, you know, there's no drive home that allows you to turn off, you know, your career and focus on home when you get home or, or train ride or some of those things where people can just disconnect, listen to something on the radio or, you know, listen to a podcast and then by the time they get home, you know, now they can be focused and being at home. So sometimes the uh, commute gets a bad rap, but I think it served a, a decent purpose uh, for a time there outside of all yeah. of the negative things about it. Yeah. I mean, I get, I get to commute. See, I said, get to not have to, I said, get to commute right. uh, every Tuesday and Friday and the commute on Friday, is six minutes, <laughs> but it counts. It's still it does, six yeah. minutes. And the other yeah. one on Tuesday is 30 minutes each way, which is, which is really helpful. I mean, it really is helpful for the reasons that you said. And one of my challenges right now as a dad and as a business owner is to be thinking more. And the only, I can't think and hold my phone at the same time. Like literally right. it's a struggle. 
Yep. And I can't think and stand, stand or sit in front of a computer. It's a struggle. I can't think and listen to a podcast either. I need, and what I mean by thinking is be present and just think. And you can call it meditating. You could call it whatever you want. But I, I just mean being still for a little bit and thinking for a moment. So lately I've been sitting on my front porch, sitting, I've got this blue chair that kind of reclines a little bit. And I just, we live on the end of a cul-de-sac. So I just look down the cul-de-sac and we have really tall trees in our neighborhood. So I'm just looking down the cul-de-sac. It's really not a busy neighborhood, looking at the trees, the sky and, and thinking. And I've had some really insightful moments, which ultimately helps us be more productive, right? <laughs> you have those moments of insight that can really help you if you can, you can think. And then the one I wanted to share this too. The other thing is, if you want to be more productive, and this goes far beyond productivity, it goes much deeper into leadership, spend more time asking questions than you give answers. And that's probably something people have heard before. And most people know that's true, but struggle with, with how to do it. And so I, I teach people a method that I use to help just simply get people to be asking questions of their, of their employees and of the situation too. It's not just questions of people, but it's questions of the situation. And, and it's, that's a struggle for people, including myself, but that's something that, that we need to do and that will help us tremendously when it comes to growth and empowerment and all the pillars of, of SAGE. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is, it's better to know some of the questions than all of the answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I just love that because, and I've had good success with building relationships being it when I go into a room and I just go in from the mindset of, I don't know anything, kind of the kind of the point of the podcast and help me, you know, I, I want to learn. So help me to learn. And so sometimes it's hard, it can be a real skill to continue to ask that next question and to dig a little deeper and to dig to go a couple levels levels uh, lower than maybe anyone else in the room has thought about, but then it still allows them all to be empowered, empowered to help, you know, come up with that solution. The other yeah, piece, the, I oh, so good. go ahead. One of the challenges for people is when they ask questions, they're asking questions for information. And in leadership, it's far better to ask questions for, for insight about the person. You know, the, the questions should, uh, should be questions that help that person better understand themselves and you better understand them. The information is going to come. It'll come. It'll be there. You can get it in myriads of ways. But the only way you can get to what's going on with that person is by asking them. There's no other way to get there. And so the questions should get to the person. And I talk about if, if you wanna make progress, it's not about solving the problem, it's about working with the person. And that's gonna give you true progress because then they can answer their own, they can start answering their own questions. I can't tell you how many business owners I've worked with where they're frustrated that they get to ask the same questions over and over. Isn't this the same thing we experience as parents? where a kid asks us the same questions over and over and over again, when they're real young, it makes sense. But once they get to a certain age, it's my fault if my kids continue to ask me the same questions. I haven't empowered them to begin to think for themselves. And business owners do this too. They think for their employees. And so the employees continually come back to them and answer those questions or get expect an answer. And that's probably because that's what their parents did. So they're just perpetuating the parental problem from the beginning. So if you're going to ask questions, make sure you're getting, to, you're, you're coaching the person and not the problem. That's, that's a difficult task. It's a difficult uh, skill, but it's totally possible and it's trainable too.
Yeah, that's such a great point. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I used, I was like one of those kids when we'd go on long road trips, I was always asking, are we there yet? <laughs> my dad ended up buying me my own Atlas. And so I would have that with the car in the back seat, you know, looking at the map, checking the exits as we hit them, as we were going. And I didn't ask him that anymore. I, because I, I would know, you know, he, he helped me to figure out here's how many miles it is in an hour. Typically here's how many miles you can go. Here's the little key, you know? So I never had to ask. And it's interesting because we just came back from a road trip and my, my daughter, my youngest continually was asking the same thing. And so at this point I was talking with my wife and I'm like, Maybe we should just give her the phone, let her see the GPS and let her right. see, you know, what it's telling us and let her look at the screen and see, see what it is. That's where we are today with technology and that's, but it still solves the same type of problem. My guess is that as a result of you learning how to read a map, you're really good with directions like North, South, East and West, and you're not directionally challenged like I am. Uh, you, you know that stuff because your dad empowered you in that way. And you studied maps as you traveled, which made you your brain be able to understand where you are in a city after looking at a map because GPSs are they're convenient, but they really don't teach you anything about where you are. No, they're like, you're right here. That's it. You know, yeah. you can't, there's no, there's no context. And so it's really cool that, you know, he taught, gave you that skill as a result. I mean, you learned it, but that empowerment right there is a really neat thing. Yeah. So I want to go back to what you were talking about, about being present, because the other piece that I, I wanted to mention is, uh, I don't know if you're, if you're a big basketball fan, but Giannis Antetokounmpo, he, he was interviewed and I thought what he told, you know, I'm not a Milwaukee Bucks fan, but I'm a fan of his because yeah. of what he stands for and what, what I see in him as a leader and as a person who, who allows his teammates to be better. I love players who make their teammates better, both from a mental standpoint, performance standpoint, all of that stuff. He was in, he was, they were talking with him and he was saying, they said, you know, how have you developed this mindset to just be focused on the next game? And he, he talked about how looking at the past and what he's accomplished, that's vanity looking at it and saying, look what I've done. Look what I've done. That's vanity. Looking ahead is ego and saying, here's what I'm going to do. Here's everything I'm going to accomplish. He said, staying present is the only path that works for him because it's like, what happens? You, you do, you do really good today. The next day you're going to, you're going to not be as good. He said, so there's no point to continually focusing on either one of those things because it's all about right now. And, and I just thought it was such a great way of him explaining his mindset. Obviously, there's a little bit of a, you know, English is not his normal, is not his first language. But I love the fact that he's looking at it from the standpoint of I got to be present every day because that's how I am. That's how I am who I am not by looking forward, not by looking back. And so I thought that spoke to what you were saying so well. Yeah, he, I really appreciate him as well. And I am a big basketball fan. I'm a big fan of his as well. I've, I've watched some of his press conferences just because I appreciate his leadership on purpose. I mean, I don't, usually don't watch people's press conferences. I don't right. care that much, yep. but I've been watching his content from time to time. And the funny thing though, is there's this one where there's another Greek person in the room and he's a reporter 
and he asks him a question and it takes five minutes for the reporter to ask the question because apparently that's the culture. <laughs> I thought that was, was super funny. But when you when you brought him, him up, I'm not going to attempt to say his 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 name because you did a good job and it's oh tough. i'm not sure if i did it well or not i, I just kind of yeah. you just kind of go gotta go for it you know you can't hold up right because if you wait or pause that it's worse <laughs> yeah you just commit a tenant to okay i think i got it so that's that's that um when it comes to that one of the things that i do with my kids is every every dinner almost every dinner now now we've kind of mixed it up a little bit but we have a little chalkboard on our wall in the living in the dining room and on it it says uh i'm i grateful for blah 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 and then and then you fill in the blank right around the table the next one says uh i served this person by and then you you fill in the blanks and you answer that question and the last one is i did my best and i was thinking about or i tried my best in doing whatever it is and so everybody answers either one or all three of those questions and we go around the table i have a family of five and sometimes it takes the whole dinner to do it because it turns into this discussion or debate or, or whatever it turns into. But I think the present one, the one about being present is, is giving your best and, and gratitude. Those two really help you to stay present. If you're giving your best, it's hard to be in the future or in the past and give your best. And we know when we give our best and when we know when we don't. And no, nobody needs to, I mean, we just know. At the end of the day, you can spend a, a, a second or a minute reflecting and you know whether you gave your best or not in particular arenas. And then obviously gratitude helps to keep you present too, because to me, that's, that's the fuel for, the, for abundance. And so if you, if you are staying present by giving your best and staying full of gratitude about the littlest of things, it's not about the big things, it's about the littlest of things then that'll help keep you present too. Because if I'm grateful for this microphone working for the last four years, that, that's going to help keep me present because I'm looking at this thing and it's working well for me and I only had to pay for it once. That's, that's a good thing. I'm grateful for that, right? And that adds up over time and helps you stay aware of what's going on around you. Yeah, no doubt. And that's, that's certainly something that we can pass on to our kids, the being grateful. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a quality that uh, I think is sorely lacking in the, in the world around us. So very cool. Um, the other last question I had for you was leaders, you know, we have leaders in all forms of business. We have leaders in families, people taking on leadership roles in a lot of different ways. And sometimes they just feel like I'm not good enough. How do they defeat what some people may call, you know, the imposter syndrome, but it's really about, you know, losing their confidence in a certain area. Uh, how do they overcome that? Yeah, I, I want to give two answers to this. So one, embrace the imposter. If, if you're not feeling like an imposter, then you're not taking enough risk and you're not leading like you should. That's the first one is to embrace that. Uh, number, well, actually three things. So embrace the imposter. Number two would be surround yourself with people that will give you true and honest feedback. I'm in, a, I'm in a Toastmasters group and I joined it, I think eight weeks ago now. So I'm, I'm pretty fresh. I'm doing my first speech on, on Friday. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited more than I'm nervous, but it's a stretch for me. And do I feel like an imposter? Not necessarily, but what's most important in that scenario is we're in that group to intentionally give constructive feedback. And sometimes that feedback sucks. Like they, you get criticized for using the word so too much or and or uh or um too much you get criticized for that 
And it's not nasty, but you get that criticism and we need that. I need that feedback. Create that board. I like to call it a, a personal board of advisors. Create a board of advisors of about five people that are in your life. Maybe one person that's, you know, a book or someone that's dead, that's super wise or something that you want to follow. But otherwise, five or six people that you know that will give you that consistent, honest, real feedback. That'll help you with that imposter because they'll, they'll help calibrate you. They'll put you in this place of where you really are because we deceive ourselves all the time. We, we start to doubt ourselves or we inflate ourselves too much. Either way, having that feedback loop is, is really helpful, uh, I, would, I would say, when it comes to the imposter. And then the last thing is, is systems. People, I find this really interesting. If, you, if someone feels stuck, they feel like they can't go somewhere, they can't move forward on, on something, they'll say, oh, I feel like an imposter or I'm not capable or whatever. If I help them develop a simple system for whatever it is they're trying to do, whether it's give a speech, uh, start a new project, start a business, if you help them develop that system, then they don't feel like an imposter because they have something they can look to and go, oh, oh, I messed up here, but I can make an, an adjustment to the system. So I don't have to feel like an imposter anymore because I know what happened. I've got that feedback. So again, it's that feedback loop. So be an imposter because you need to be, Get the personal feedback from people that care about you, but also create system feedback. Those three pieces play a huge role in leveraging that imposter syndrome instead of letting it beat you up and hold you back. Yeah, I like it. Very cool, Kyle. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your time. And very yeah, cool to you. learn about the Sage mindset and all the great work that you're doing for your clients is the best way for my listeners if they want to learn more about sage is it the sagemindset.com website is that the best way for them to learn about you and interact with you yep do yeah visit sagemindset.com and i'm going to be publishing sage leadership in about a month i'm going to put that out there and, and a lot of what i'm sharing with with you guys is in that book and much more and it's my whole system of or this whole framework and how you can apply it to your business and to your life uh, so do check out sagemindset.com. And of course, I'm available for conversations to chat with you and learn more about what's going on with your business or with your life and support you in whatever way I can. All right. That's great, Kyle. We'll put that website in the show notes for our listeners. Kyle Gillette, he's an ICF certified coach, behavioral analyst, and creator of the Sage Mindset Leadership Framework. And he's got a book coming out, Sage Leadership, coming out in the next month. That's exciting. Very cool to have you on the podcast. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the vine. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on our journey to learn about various topics. If you'd like to get in touch with the dad who knows nothing, connect with him at the dad who knows nothing on TikTok and Instagram or dad knows zero on Twitter. If you have a moment and you like this episode, drop us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a great day and enjoy your journey through this game called life.